Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, your source for biz dev tips, wisdom, and inspiration. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik. We're unleashing your inner rainmaker in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the program, Charlotte Smith. Uh, Charlotte is an executive coach for lawyers, and she runs the Life Design for Lawyers podcast. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I am delighted to be here. Well, I'm really glad to have you on the show because you've got a different perspective than a lot of my guests. A lot of my guests are lawyers and, you know, they've, they've been in the field for, you know, 20, 30 years, sometimes longer, and they're, they're just continuing to do their thing. But you've taken a very different path than most lawyers. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey from attorney to coach. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I started down the traditional lawyer path. I, um, you know, went to college, law school, um, did all of the typical things that you do in the UK to become a lawyer. And um, I landed in employment law. And I practiced at one of the UK's top travel law firms. And so my clients were the likes of Hilton Hotels, Expedia, British Airways. And in a lot of ways, I really enjoyed the work that I was doing. I was fascinated in human and organizational performance. And so that fit very well um, with being an employment lawyer. I quickly kind of moved up the ranks within the law firm and um, I was awarded a 30 under 30 award um, and just before my 30th birthday I was offered partnership at the law wow. firm so everything was going really well. And, and, and Charlotte I'm sorry but yeah. is it unusual to be offered a partnership when you're under 30 at that firm? It was, yeah. Um, it had not happened before. And I was actually very good at business development and marketing. And so the fact that I was able to build my own book of business right from the onset <laughs> was, was one of those um, factors, I think, that um, led me to being offered partnership. And I was very big into innovation as well. And I developed a an employment law product that served the travel sector. And, and so that was what the 30 under 30 award um, was all about. And so everything looked great on paper. Things were going really well. And then there's the drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> but under the surface, things didn't feel quite right. It felt like something was missing. I really had a desire to be more creative and I was also very much on the path to burnout. I was working crazy hours regularly in the office until sometimes like 3am and I could just see that if I continued down this road <laughs> then you know where would I end up and I'm sure that that would have been on the path to burnout. 
And so as I was considering like whether or not to like accept the offer of partnership, which was a very difficult decision, um, my husband came home from work and he works um, in finance at a tech company. And we were in the UK at this point and he said, Charlotte, you'll never guess what, but I have been offered a job in Silicon Valley, California. And <laughs> so it was as if the universe was speaking to us. And um, we decided that this was a really exciting opportunity. We had always envisioned um, as, as newlyweds being able to kind of live on a more international scale. And so when this opportunity presented itself, um, we grabbed it with both hands and we moved out here to Silicon Valley. And for a while, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I was happy to leave the law and to try something different. And I knew that marketing, business development, creativity were all part of my skill set. And so for a while, I was a partner at a creative agency in Silicon Valley. However, that still didn't make me feel great. And so at that point, I started to dive a lot deeper into where this dissatisfaction was coming from. And I was able to unpick what my superpowers were and what my zone of genius was. And by zone of genius, I mean where my talents and my passions collide. And that took me down the path to going to executive coach training and becoming an executive coach. And now I focus solely on working with the legal profession. And it is such an honor to do the work that I do. And my philosophy is all very much about doing law differently. And I place a lot of emphasis on making sure that we put well-being as a priority. Because ultimately, if we don't put well-being at, as a priority, we burn out, we make mistakes, we are not able to perform at our best as lawyers, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as parents, you know, and the list goes on and on. So that is very much um, my philosophy and, you know, a little teaser into some of the work that I do. <laughs> crazy <laughs> in so many levels because <laughs> the fact that you, you know, did not want to go back into law, but yet you have demonstrated an incredible aptitude for it. Uh, that takes a lot of guts. You know, to say, okay, I know I'm really good at this, but this is not, you know, what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to do something different. So I'm going to jump into something else and start over again. And tell me a little bit about how your work in figuring out your area of genius, how that helped you maybe overcome that, you know, knowing that, okay, this is my area of genius. So despite the track record I've had before, I'm going to do really well because this is what I'm best at. Yeah, so I felt like... There was a few years of figuring out what my zone of genius was because when I was working in the law practice, I guess you only know a few things about yourself. Um, and, and as I was working as a lawyer, I wrote a food blog 
<laughs> so I was. I was, you wrote a food blog. I wrote a food blog. <laughs> it was one of the number one UK paleo food blogs. <laughs> and so I was kind of like experimenting with social media. I was experimenting with website development and, and those kind of things, all self taught. Um, well, no wonder you were working until three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I like to do a lot of stuff and, and, and pack things into my schedule. That is certainly a personality trait, which could be considered a superpower in some ways, but then also can be that albatross around your neck as well when you have a lot of drive because we sometimes forget to hit pause. But um, yeah, so I think that it's important to experiment and try different things so that you can start to understand what you are good at. But like, if I look back at my career right now, creativity is a strong point for me. As a child, I was really into art, um, you know, landing in a creative agency, all of the digital marketing piece, like that falls within creativity for me. Um, human performance and organizational performance that is you know music to my ears it makes my heart sing and this is why I do the work that I do right now and it's also why I ended up in employment law because you know that is very much a focus so you know you can if you are able to hit pause and look back over your career, there are common threads. There are things that you have been drawn to. And actually we can trace this back to being children. I always remember as well, like, you know, probably being around like 15, 16, and I was kind of interested in reading self-help books in um, business coaching books which is kind of a weird thing for a 15 16 year old to be doing but I was drawn to that I was interested in that and so I didn't know it at the time but years later this all comes together to form like my my career path and and who I really am as an individual as well I can kind of see how that how that all comes together in the process you went through. Mm. Um, you know, discovering your your zone of genius is not an easy task, and it takes time. And clearly, you've got a lot of experience taking people on that journey. Um, I, I like to joke to people: I'm really only good at two things: building businesses and developing people. Uh, but that <laughs> is now what I do full time, all the time. And it makes a big difference when you love the work you do, when you're engaged in it, and when you're really good at it. Um, so, you know, as someone who's gone through the journey that you have, and now you're an executive coach, how do you help lawyers advance in their legal careers? And knowing that uh, some of them may just not want to be a lawyer uh, and others do. Yeah. So there's, it's, there's a number of paths that clients decide to go down and, and sometimes it is pivoting out of law entirely. However, the majority of my clients want to stay in the law. Um, Typically they will come to me when they are feeling overloaded. And that's really common. It's a huge issue for lawyers across the globe and the American Bar Association um, statistics, the UK Law Society statistics, they back this up. And so 
What I help them to do firstly is to manage their calendar so they can unburden and that they can actually create space to figure out what their next step is. Because when we're overloaded, it's really difficult to have any form of clarity or space to think. So that has to be the first step. And then what I do is I help them create clarity around what their vision is and what they actually want. Not like what their that. parents want, not what they, you know, all right, of that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. It, the, um, the thing you mentioned earlier about when you have too much going on, uh, that you're really overscheduled, it's hard to think clearly. I almost look at that as it's almost like a form of PTSD, you know, uh, post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder. It builds up over time and it can really impact someone's decision-making and not only their performance at work, but their, uh, their performance at home. And then just their decision-making gets compromised. It, 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 it is yeah. definitely a real thing for sure. And I think that's probably something that all of us that work with lawyers, that is one of the, uh, the, the, the top symptoms of someone that we're working with is they have a lot going on and they're just overloaded and overstressed. Um, <laughs> to your point, you know, lawyers and doctors, it's always kind of a challenge between the two professions. They go back and forth about who has the greatest incidences of mental illness in the profession. And I think mm-hmm. right now, uh, lawyers are currently number one in the United States of America. So that's, that's not a great distinction to have. And so tell us a little bit about how you address those issues with them. Yeah. And it's so sad that really this is a problem and it's a global problem. And it seems like it has been like this for a long time. And it's interesting because when you look at some of the different industries and certainly in the Bay Area and people work really hard and people have high stress jobs for sure. However, the legal sector does not always embrace productivity, um, project management, and some of the the tools that the tech companies use in order to create, um, you know, more balance and a more efficient way of working. So my what I really believe is that, like, it does not have to be this way. We do not have to kill ourselves working. Um, you know, in order to be successful and to have a successful law practice, to be a successful lawyer, you do not have to kill yourself working, you know, all the hours that God sends. We can um, create systems to be able to work more efficiently, more productively. Um, We can utilize legal tech to um, increase our productivity as well. There's so many different things that we can do um, to tackle this. And I think mindset is a big thing as well. Um, I, can, I can kind of like dive into some of the mindset <laughs> bit. It. I, yeah, I can talk but, for hours on this topic. Yeah, we, we could go back and forth on <laughs> yeah. this one. But I agree with everything you've said. I would take it a step further, which is that I believe that by running their law firms like good businesses, which means they have a team, they have time management, you know, they have that under control, they have systems in place, they have technology, strategy, mm-hmm. marketing. When they run a, a law firm like a good business, they yeah. can do their best work. I don't believe that any attorney who is uh, kind of working the traditional way of working where they're just cranking, 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 uh, and neglecting their well-being, I don't think they're doing their best work. I don't think they're having the biggest impact that they could have 
on the lives of everybody else. And I mm-hmm. think it's coming as a detriment to themselves and, uh, and to their loved ones and the people they care about. So I, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. It is tragic um, because lawyers are incredibly smart. Uh, they do amazing work. Uh, there's a lot of jokes out there. You know, people don't like lawyers, but um, uh, a colleague of mine was telling me, yeah, no one likes lawyers until you need one. And then they're your best friend. Mm-hmm. because I see the issues that, that they're helping people solve. And these are life changing game changing types of issues, you know, whether it's uh, things like family law, of course, but whether even if it's selling your company, right. Or building your estate plan to protect your heirs, all of these things are, they, they make a huge difference in the lives of people and lawyers are instrumental to that. And so it's such a tragedy when they're not able to have that for themselves. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And um, yeah, it's such a position of trust. Like you um, just really effectively articulated there. It's a position of trust. And it's, and it's, it's interesting because no one really ever teaches lawyers how to run a good business. Right. People, you know, there's the structure. We we make partner, but there's not that coaching. There's not that training, and so there's all of these kind of efficiencies and problems that can crop up and can occur. And it just does not have to be that way. It doesn't. You know, the funny thing about that. Uh, so I, I ran businesses in Silicon Valley and whatnot. Mm. And they were pretty complicated global businesses with all sorts of things going on with them. Running a law firm it, as a business structure, it's really simple. And so the nice thing is just a little bit of coaching, a little bit of implementing some best practices can deliver huge results for law firms. So it's much easier to, to, to do than a lot of people think. When you start working with somebody, Charlotte, they've you know, probably made some key mistakes over the years before they started working with you. If you had to think back over that, what would you say are maybe the top three mistakes that your clients have made, you know, before they start working with you? Mm. Okay. So I can think of a few common mistakes. <laughs> Number one, it goes back to what I was talking about in relation to discovering my why. Common mistakes for lawyers are just flowing with life and um, they go to law school they progress within the firm they maybe move from from job to job but they don't have any clarity around like why did I become a lawyer um why am I doing this work is it just to earn money or is it something deeper and when I explore more deeply with clients around why they became a lawyer Typically, it isn't in relation to the money. It is linked to helping people or to, you know, the philosophy of equity, justice, you know, that the legal system is a system for good. So if we are not tuning in to our why, then we let life flow with us. And then that is how we quickly become overloaded and then we go on the path to burnout and we lose like joy in the work that we're doing. So that is a common mistake. And um, I would certainly recommend that people dive into thinking and ask the question, 
why did I become a lawyer in the first place so that you can be intentional in terms of like how you run your business and how you practice the law. Then in relation to actual burnout, why do people burn out? Well, in some ways it is because we are ineffective at setting boundaries and sticking to our boundaries. And that may sound like a controversial statement. However, I you know, had the ability in me to be able to say, no, I am not going to work until 3 a.m. And I could assert my boundaries around that. And I could think about how I plan my calendar. Am I going to schedule calls back to back because I just need to get through it? Or am I going to step into my power and assert my boundaries so that I am protecting myself and my own well, mental well-being? So really focusing on boundaries is very important. And it's hard. It's really hard to be able to um, assert your boundaries, especially when you are reporting to someone, um, you know, and you are not that decision maker, or perhaps you're working in house and you have different stakeholders that, you know, need a contract turned around very quickly. But if you are able to assert your boundaries and have that conversation from the onset, like on, you know, three days a week, I'm going to be home at 6.30 p.m for dinner with the family, whatever it looks like, once you can start to envision what your calendar looks like, and then boundaries, 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 put them in place, then that is is really going to help you create the space so that then you can kind of move forward and start to build that business that you were just kind of describing. I'm glad you used that analogy that the boundaries make the space. Um, Mm -hmm. You hear that a lot when you're talking about construction of a new home and you you see a home and there's, you know, it's basically just studs and framing and you walk through it and you go, wow, this is really small. And then all of a sudden they put up the drywall or the sheetrock and you realize, wow, this is really big. And it's because the walls make the space. Um, if you don't set up walls, and it translates to time management as well, by the way, as uh, business principles when you're building a practice, mm-hmm. um, if you, you know, the more boundaries and constraints you put, the more creative and um, ingenious it forces you to be. And that's when breakthroughs happen. Breakthroughs happen when you don't have a lot of time. Breakthroughs happen in a business when you don't have a lot of money, right? And you've got to figure these things out. Uh, that's when people can really unleash their genius and really get to, get to some pretty powerful breakthroughs. It all starts with putting up those walls and those constraints. You know, ties very well into uh, kind of the next question. A lot of people listen to this podcast to get ideas and inspiration for business development. And the number one issue that I run into when when lawyers talk about business development, it's not that they don't know how to do it, although that may be a problem. The first thing they say is, LA, I'm sorry, I just don't have the time for this. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure, Charlotte, that when you start talking with someone new, they may, they may say similar things to you. So tell us a little bit about how your, you know, biz, your, your time management, your task prioritization strategies can really help attorneys build their books of business. Mm. So, LA, I 
listened to a podcast, gosh, probably around six years ago now. And they were talking about um, looking at the total possible hours that you have in a week for work. And then 60% of that time should be fee earning work. And then, you know, you would have different percentage allocations for marketing and business development and then for doing those admin tasks. And ultimately, you can kind of break down the percentage quota depending on, you know, what your fee earning targets are and and so on um, and how much time you actually want to be dedicating to marketing and business development. But the reality is like, if you want to be building a book of business, then you're going to have to make time. <laughs> there is no shortcut. And, you know, yes, you can engage a marketing person, a virtual assistant to support you um, in your business development endeavors, for sure. It is really important to really step into the mindset that yes, if you're constantly billing, 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 and you're spending no time doing marketing and business development, then ultimately there will become a time where it's imbalanced and you're looking for work. Whereas if you can, um, you know, set aside five hours a week or whatever that looks like to you, Um, in your schedule so that you can constantly be taking small steps and chipping away at it, then those small steps over time build up into momentum. And one of my favorite tools for lawyers to use from a business development standpoint is LinkedIn. Um, And I've seen some absolutely amazing results that um, clients are generating by embracing LinkedIn and the digital space to do online networking. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we actually, uh, one of our recent podcasts was actually on on LinkedIn um, for for business development for lawyers. So yeah, it is definitely a powerful tool. Mm It's yeah. one that's growing. And so that that plays right into kind of the next question I had for you, Charlotte, which is you know, for someone who is looking to build their book of business or to level up their business development, so to take their game to the next level, um, what tips and advice would you have for them? I would say, well, there's two things. And we're both part of a networking organization, Provisors. Um So joining a networking organization is a great way to meet new people, to constantly have conversations. And their philosophy is um, like, no, trust, refer. And really that is a strategy that we can deploy in the kind of in-person networking or Zoom meetings that, that, um, you know, the conversations that you might be creating with potential referral partners. But then I really believe that LinkedIn is so incredibly powerful and we can apply that philosophy to how we are showing up on LinkedIn. For example, and I'm sure you've probably covered this in, um, your podcast um, regarding LinkedIn, but it's engaging with people. It's actually commenting on someone's post 
with a thought, thoughtful, insightful comment. It is, you know, lawyers are incredibly connected already because we are frequently dealing with opposing counsel, with different suppliers. <laughs> we have, you know, a range of different clients. So we're actually really well networked just by the nature of our job. So it's building that, that network system on LinkedIn. It's engaging, it's posting content on there. So people will start to know you. So people will start to like you, trust you, and then they will send business your way. And none of the um, the tools and techniques that I kind of recommend like involve sending any kind of like sales messages directly into people's inboxes because I think that that can um, sometimes be off-putting. So, and sometimes like applying the like, um, no trust philosophy is less intimidating for lawyers because it's a human to human formula where we're simply building relationships here. But actually the outcome of that is generating business. That's right. <clears throat> it is really about the relationships when it comes mm. to uh, a lot of the high quality referrals. It's uh, <laughs> it's a really nice way for a lot of lawyers to develop to develop uh, the relationships that are going to feed them for decades to come. And they're going to provide them with the really high quality client base. Yeah. So not everyone has access to a group like Provisors, which, you know, the no like trust refer that was Provisors was founded by lawyers and, and they understand that. Um, but finding a group, whether it's your bar association or another organization that has those kinds of networking types of opportunities is absolutely key. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then you mentioned I, LinkedIn and I really love the mindset stuff you get into because you can do all the marketing tactics in the world and all the business development tactics in the world. But if you're not uh, you know, following a lot of the mindset best practices that you teach, Charlotte, all that stuff is a waste. That is exactly right. And it's interesting because I, I like to lead with well-being and creating space um, and then the mindset piece. And I guess like LinkedIn could be an interesting example for that. So a lot of people, when they hear, okay, you can generate business through LinkedIn, we have assumptions that come up to the surface or limiting beliefs around that. None of my prospect clients are on LinkedIn. Lawyers don't post on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'll, I don't have anything to say. I will look foolish if I do this. And, you know, there's, there's so many different variants of, of those kind of comments that come up for people. Because in, in many ways, you are exposing yourself by posting content on LinkedIn. You are sharing um, an insight into who you are and, and how you do business and perhaps you know, some of the insights in relation to how you actually practice and how you would, um, you know, tackle a legal problem. And, and so we have fear around being judged. We have fear around, um, you know, looking stupid or whatever that might be. But when we experience these kind of thoughts, then it's really difficult for us to take action and fear may get in the way. Fear may stop us from actually taking action, from developing that 
book our business. And so it's really important from the onset to tackle that because otherwise we're just going to keep playing it small. We're just going to stay in our safe zone. And all of this applies to, you know, public speaking in relation to expanding your practice potentially. This, you know, mindset comes up a lot um, for a lot of people. And so really being able to firstly identify what is our brains telling us. And, um, you know, lawyers, because of the nature of the work that we do, I believe our, our brains are wired in a certain way. And let me just elaborate for a second. So our job as lawyers is to spot the worst case scenario. It is to spot, um, you know, all of the different possible permutations of the outcomes. And we're kind of focusing on what worst case scenario might happen so that we can protect, (laughs) um, we can legally protect and prevent that from happening. And so from a mindset context, when our brains are trained to spot worst case scenario, then typically what will happen is our inner critic voice. So the voice that says, well, you can't do this. You're going to look stupid. You're going to look foolish. It's often quite loud. <laughs> and it's, we often listen to it it's because deafening. it's a warning yeah. signal. Yeah. yeah it's that, this warning there's, signal. There's, there's three things that, that lawyers have told me uh, that they mm-hmm. experience all the time. The first is that uh, lawyers are trained skeptics. The Ooh. second is that lawyers are trained pessimists. Yeah. Um, and, and when those two things come together, uh, it, it can be really, really challenging. Uh, and then the third, you throw that on top, which is lawyers are, you know, so much of their self-image, how they think of themselves is wrapped up in being the smartest person in the room. And so when you wrap all three of those things together, uh, it's, it can at times be an impenetrable fortress of negativity. <laughs> hard to yeah. crack through. It's really hard to crack through. And so, you know, if if we've got all of that going on, having a perfectly, you know, color-coded, planned out calendar, (laughs) you know, where we've scheduled in five hours for doing business development a week or whatever that looks like, that's not going to help us (laughs) because we need to deal with the root of the problem first. We need to focus on mindset. We need to identify what limiting beliefs you are experiencing and break through them because you know the reality is that actually we tell ourselves a lot of stories a lot of stories that quite frankly are nonsense (laughs) and we buy into it (laughs) we buy into it and we believe it but when we can start to see that it's actually just a story and that it is not true no one is going to laugh at you when you post on linkedin People will support you and embrace what you are saying. People will value you being a human being and showing up authentically. When we can kind of like step into that, then that's where we get into a space of flow and peak performance. But we have to start with mindset and we have to start with having space to work on our mindset. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, of what you do, Charlotte, and and starting with mindset, 
digging into that, getting that right, and then applying the other strategies around you know time management and you know law firm growth and automation and systems. And Charlotte, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, since I've been going on about LinkedIn so much, that, <laughs> that would be an obvious choice. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to my website as well, and you can find more information about me. Um, I'm on a, across all of the social media platforms as well. And I'm currently experimenting with Instagram as well, which is interesting, but that could well, be a conversation for another day. <laughs> yes, I agree. And uh, and so, you know, Charlotte Smith is a bit different of a name than Ale Yajnik. There might be more than one of you. So if they wanted to seek out your website, what is the best website? Yeah, absolutely. It is charlotte-smith.com. Fantastic. That's easy. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and if they wanted to uh, subscribe to your podcast, where can they go to do that? So my podcast, Life Design for Lawyers, it is on you know Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and all of the typical places where we listen to podcasts. Super. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, always a pleasure to connect and to learn about uh, attorneys and mindset and, and how all of that pertains to business development. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you. LA, thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. And that's a wrap. To get more episodes, webinars, and free stuff, visit LawyerBusinessAdvantage.com. My name is LA Yajnik. Thank you for listening. And remember, there is a rainmaker inside everyone, including you.